My name is Aisha Ibrahim. Many thanks for choosing us. Let's begin with the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice Charge that has charged the Ghana Police Service to be mindful of the country's human rights and obligations towards its citizens. This is part of a number of recommendations contained in a letter written to the IGP following reports of alleged police brutalities and unlawful arrests of some individuals who participated in last week's Occupy Julobi House protest. The protest, which was organized by the pressure group Democracy Hub and Fixed the Country Coalition, attracted a mix of Ghanaians from all walks of life, of all social status, demanding an end to alleged corruption in government and prevailing economic hardships. The three-day protest saw the arrest and detention of some protesters for pushing to assembly in front of the Jubilee uh, House, which according to the police is a security zone. The incident triggered public anger and condemnation and its letter to the police service in condemnation of this development charge is also recommending among other things, the development of a guideline to manage protests while upholding human rights standards at all times. My colleague Blessed Sogan joins me via Zoom with details of that letter from Charge. Blessed, what more does the letter say? Hello, Blessed. Um, uh, well, Aisha, if, if you can hear me, uh, this, this release from the uh, Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice, and uh, basically they are reinforcing the fact that the Inspector General of Police and by extension the Ghana Police Service uh, ought to take into consideration the rights and dignity of individuals who were part of the demonstration uh, last week. And they point to uh, the very famous ruling in the 90s, um, when of course there was a case between the New Patriotic Party and the Inspector General of Police, pointing back at that very case, the uh, Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice is back making the case again that the Ghana Police Service and by extension the Ministry of National Security would have to put in place uh, some key points, about five key recommendations that they are putting across, and uh, not just to the Ghana Police Service, but also uh, to the Ministry of national security to take into consideration. So uh, they talk about the fact that the Ministry of Interior, uh, the Inspector General of Police, and also the national security uh, must do the needful uh, of, uh, by respecting Ghana's uh, human rights obligation towards the citizens. And then uh, they are also to develop, if there's no existing one, a protocol uh, that will guide, um, you know, standards for uh, managing uh, this kind of uh, demonstrations that will ensure that uh, the demonstration is done in a seamless manner, uh, cognizant of the rights of individuals and their rights to also go out onto the streets and to uh, demonstrate. There's also the need, according to Shiraj, for a refresher course, and that will be necessary um, for all law enforcement agencies bordering on issues of human rights and uh, administrative justice. And in a situation of uh, deadlock between um, the enforcement agencies, they also want, um, you know, the, uh, the police service to uh, dialogue more with the protesters. The police service and other law enforcement agencies uh, are also entreated to endeavor to build some sort of rapport between them and protesters, uh, as they are indicating here, and not uh, to treat them as troublemakers. 
in, 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 in this situation that we've seen uh, with regard to the Occupy Jolobi House protest. So these are some of the uh, key recommendations that the Commission on Human Rights and Administrative Justice uh, is making. Uh, we are yet to get a full response from the Ghana Police Service on the matter, uh, but we'll keep watching the space action. Blessed Soga uh, with those details from uh, the letter uh, written by Trash to the IGP. Let's interrogate these recommendations by Trash to the IGP and speak with a retired police officer, Peter Lanchentobo, who's also MP for Wawes. Grateful for your time, sir. Trudge uh, recommends the development of guidelines for managing protests which incorporate human rights standards for use by law enforcement agencies. First, I'm curious to know if there are existing guidelines for the police in such activities. Thank you very much, Aisha. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your cherished uh, actually Good morning. Good morning to your cherished uh, listeners. Um, I have just looked at the letter from Shiraz, and I'm wondering why they are bringing the issue of national security, Minister of National Security. I expect them to have probably addressing the letter to the police council. The police council, according to the constitution, is supervising the daily operational administration work of the Ghana Police Service being led by the Inspector General of Police. So if you have a problem with police, I think the first layer to be addressing such issues to is the police council. And the police council has the Minister for Interior, it has the Minister for Justice, all of them are members of the police council. And it's been constituted in such a way that if they agree to do something, the police will be compelled to bring some change. But let me give a bit of education to the public. In 1992, when we had the 1992 constitution guaranteeing all these rights for us, it took over 20 years that one inspector general of police called Mr. Mohammed Ahmed Al-Hassan came to say, you cannot have a police under a constitution who is not probably reshaped. Their thoughts are still militarized. You cannot have a police of that nature policing in a democracy. People cannot enjoy their rights. So he created what we call the formed police unit. And the formed police unit are professional police officers who are trained to deal with public order issues. The Public Order Act came in 1994, and it took over 20, 20 years in 2014 that we created the formed police unit by converting from converting the armored car squadron that is purely militarized to the formed police unit to deal with civilian protests. So if we're talking about whether they have an SOP or standard operating procedure to deal with public disorder issues, the fact is that the formed police unit is a creation of the United Nations. And at the United Nations level, we have what we call globally adopted directive use of force. And the global adopted directive use of force is a global SOP for all formed police units around the world. And the Ghana Police Service is not an exception. So when you find demonstrators and the IGP decides that it is not the formed police unit, or any police commander decides that it is not the formed police unit, but any other police unit that will go there, we can only have chaos. And if you have also the formed police unit going there, the formed police unit are supposed to go there as professionals to, to guarantee or ensure that these citizens enjoy their constitutional rights. The police are supposed to provide security for us to enjoy our rights. That is basically what they're supposed to do. And if you think, the law provides, if you think that this right that they're going to enjoy is going to affect the rights of other people and can create issues of national security, of course you go to the court. And you cannot also go to the court with ex party motion. If you are going to the court, you file a motion on notice and let the demonstrators be present to argue their case out. 
whatever the court says, that becomes law. And the police, if they are supposed to provide security for the demonstrators, so will it be. I don't, I don't see why the altercation, I don't see why the antagonism, I see the police is always against people who want to enjoy their rights. That is not right. And the civilians or the population do not also think that, oh, the police are our enemies. No, the police cannot be your enemies. The police is supposed to be your friend. The police is supposed to ensure that your rights are guaranteed under the Constitution and you enjoy them. And I'm happy, I'm happy that in that short statement, they also emphasize the need for the police to strengthen its rapport with the public. But before I even get into that, let's look at how we can improve on these guidelines. Certainly, there are things that we can do to improve uh, um, 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 the guidelines in terms of the police handling process situations. You know, these guidelines are standard guidelines. Directive use of force, the standard global accepted procedure for the police to use in dealing with protests of, of public order, dis, dis, public disorder management. The use of force has a simple acronym that we call PLAN, P-L-A-N. That when you are going to use force as a police officer, the first question you ask yourself the force that I'm going to use, is it proportional to the level of resistance I'm giving from the demonstrators or any other person? And the second question you ask yourself, this force that I'm going to use, is it a man with law? Is it legal? The third point is, can I account for this? After this, I am called to account for my action. Will I provide in account for it? Can I be safe in accounting for it? And the last point is, you ask yourself a very simple question. I, I carry the gun, I carry the truncheon, I carry whatever it is, the rubber bullets. I want to use any of them in line with ensuring that people enjoy their rights is it necessary. If it is necessary, you do it. So there are procedures outlined. But you know what? As usual, you can have all the procedures outlined, probably even in the theater when you have to talk about medical doctors. You can have all the procedures. In the airplane, when you talk about the pilot, but sometimes the procedure is there and something else happens and you begin to ask the question, why is it happening not in line with procedure? So for me, Police do not have a problem with SOP regarding public disorder management. But it's a training that we need to enforce that they train and retrain. The unit is there, it's supposed to be a professional unit, and we'll call upon them anytime to ensure that civilians enjoy their rights in line with the Constitution. If the training is not going well and we need to give them more funding for them to constantly, periodically train them so that we all enjoy the professionalism from the Ghana Police Service, so be it. Until then, we have a challenge. And so the police and other enforcement agencies must build a rapport between them and protesters. That's what Shiraj wants as citizens and not troublemakers. Let me ask you this. What's your assessment of police relationship with the people, especially in times of protests, demonstrations and unrest such as this, this one? Police public relations is like, it's like it's as old as the institution of marriage. What is the relationship between the husband and wife? It's nice today, tomorrow is not good enough. It goes sour and comes back. But it is, it is police-public relation is supposed to be a concept that we have to constantly work on. Nobody will say it is good today and tomorrow it goes back and you'll be challenged. It is a concept that needs constant appreciation. It is a concept that needs the collective effort of all of us. But shouldn't you be worried if we're going back and forth? We can only improve and move forward rather than go back one step forward and two steps backwards. We are in a democracy and we expect that we should be, we should be progressing. And in fact, as you rightly put it, we should be improving. We should be getting better. 
So I expect that police-public relations in the year 2023 comparatively should be better than when we started in 1993. Of course, 30 years down the line, we should see great strides. And you see, we've improved upon this over the years. And that, Professor Seddon, they brought in what we call community engagement or community policing. Community policing let the public know if the police officer is your friend. Your son is a police officer. One of your daughters is a police officer. Your grandson probably is a police officer. You have a police officer, of course, in your family. So the police cannot be an enemy. And no state will pay enemies to deal with its own citizens. The police are supposed to be your friends, ensuring that they enjoy security. So I will, support, I will agree with you that we need to be doing better in the area of police public relations. I'm grateful for your time. Peter Lunch and Tobu with MP for One West. He's also a retired police officer saying that the relationship between the police and the public can only get better and not go, uh, you know, uh, retrogress. Uh, this is something we're still monitoring and we're still waiting for a response from the IGP on this recommendations uh, from Shiraj. Let's get on to other stories. After public backlash, the Kolebu Teaching Hospital has backtracked on its intended increase in the cost of renal dialysis from 380 to 765 cities. The hospital says the price review proposal presented by the renal dialysis unit is yet to receive consideration and approval by management of the hospital. Speaking on Joy FM Super Morning Show today, CEO of the hospital, Dr. Pokowari Ampoma, said the hospital had not checked the necessary boxes in the approval process prior to its announcement of the new cost of treatment, allaying fears of patients who are dependent on the renal dialysis unit for treatment. Dr. Pukuwari said the old cost will be maintained until that time it secures parliamentary approval for the new charges. The facts are that this is a proposal that was still at the department level, had not even come up to central management. Unfortunately, there was a jumping of the gun and a notice was put up, which, of course, in these days of social media, it even went viral before, I mean, uh, and then uh, that, that's, that's where we are. But the fact is that it hadn't come to a level where even management had even considered and reviewed it. But, and that is what we are doing at the moment. Uh, but, Doc, what, what are the facts of, of, of the matter in terms of what uh, uh, Salifu said to join News uh, okay. by way of justification? Uh, there are some yes. taxes that have been, been taken out. Uh, Government yes, is no yes. longer... So, so, so that was also uh, an, uh, more or less a misrepresentation of the facts. What happens is that um, these items are usually shipped in from abroad. And so once the bill of lading is received, we have a process that we go through to the Ministry of Finance, through the Ministry of Health, to get a waiver of the taxes and duties on their goods. But then even these taxes and duties are not the main component of the cost. Because they have just a, a, I mean, a, a small, uh, a, you know, fraction of the, the cost or input cost. And so usually we have that leeway. But in this particular instance, what happened was that there, there had been some contractual issues with the supplier. And so whilst we're in the, in the, in the trying to refine the contract and uh, iron out the, the, you know, the areas of misunderstanding, there was uh, some shortage of renal consumables. So we had to more or less cut back on the service a bit and so that we can focus on the inpatients and emergencies. And we asked the... Um, outpatients to utilize the other 
services in the in the city whilst we get this sorted. And so when this was sorted out, the good uh, the consumers were airlifted in, and so we wanted to clear them quickly. So we didn't assess the waivers then because it was going to take time. And then if we did that, too, we we're going to incur demerit. So we we looked at the cost benefits that if we incurred uh, the demerit, the demerit that we're going to pay was actually going to offset whatever advantage we're going to get from the waiver. So the management decided to absorb the cost. So uh, when um, your, your hospital spokesperson said that the renal unit will have to shut down its dialysis service if these prices are not increased, that was also incorrect information? But in the long term, there has to be some adjustment in the, in the, in the, in the prices because we, we buy these uh, items in use. So definitely, maybe if you just look at the exchange rate alone, that would uh, you know, uh, necessitate some adjustment in the, uh, you know, in the prices. So that's why we go to a place where we critically review uh, you know uh, whatever justification is being given for an increase because we know the the burden on uh, renal patients so we do not just want to pass on any because it's happened before where we've um, you know money has decided to absorb certain costs on their behalf because of of the condition we are quite sensitive to the plight of renal patients that's why we continue to engage uh, you know uh, other stakeholders mm. philanthropists to come in and help to subsidize the cost of the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat says it is overwhelmed with the increasing reports of fraudulent schemes aimed at duping persons in search of scholarship. The uh, CEO of uh, the, the Registrar of the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat, um, Kingsley, has been speaking with Blessed Soga. He notes with worry the use of online platforms, especially social media, to fraudulently award scholarships in the name of his organization. In view of this, the website of the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat has been blocked by the National Information Technology Agency pending some changes in security features. In the era of social media, where people do all sorts of things to attract unsuspecting victims, it provides a challenge. We have, we have, we have had a very, very hard hit at this, where our main scholarship domain itself, the Ghana Scholarship Secretariat.com, has been, has been taken off because, hacked? yes, not hacked, okay. because certain individuals were using it to scam unsuspecting Ghanaians. There was a lot of reports which we initiated by ourselves, so they had to take it away from us. You know, modus that these unsuspecting individuals, you know, deploy to, to swindle, you know, the numbers. That uh, you're there, there, about. Several. Mm-hmm. And you know, fosters will always be steps ahead of you because our preoccupation is not to chase fosters. But they employ the social media too. Okay. That's, that's, that's the online where they've created LinkedIn accounts in my name, they've created Twitter accounts in my name, and they're able to. Every activity that we get involved in, right. they want to put pictures and videos there to, to, to portray to unsuspecting uh, victims that it is indeed Your account. my account right. or the account of the scholarship secretariat, which is not, which is not true. We've reported it severally through the newspapers, through, through uh, our website, the dot, the dot .org. Oh, yeah. We have reported. But 
There's something, I think, fundamentally wrong with our culture and that of the Ghanaian. We, we still feel that if you approach a public office and you don't know that somebody, you may not be able to assess the services of, of that particular office. These accounts that are being used on social media, they are, they are fake accounts. They are swindling you. They are scammers. But most people will not listen. And now, the embassies that do not go through these processes with us, and these, uh, will I say, fosters, they have the temerity to even come and pose as visitors in our office here, just like you met so many people at the reception. They come and they're able to lure their, their victims to this place. The people get to the premises or on our premises, they call them, they meet them outside to, to create the, the picture that they really work here. And they, they, they close their activities. We'll show you a fraud file of instances of people who have reported to us. People, they send them messages that they should come for interview mm-hmm. and they'll be invited through the same medium or the, through the same media that they used in getting them. Right. They, should, they, should, they should come mm-hmm. for interview Today, 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 I'm sure over the 200 people seated wanting to come and see me. You have about three or ten of them wow. who have been scheduled by their... their Fraudulent. Their, 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 yes. Their, their to come for an interview here. So it's, it's, it's a complex and complicated situation to deal with. A service that over 10 million Ghanaian youth are eligible. At times you can't blame them too. Meanwhile, the scholarship secretary says it may not be able to process new scholarship applications if the Ministry of Finance fails to approve its request for a new funding framework for the scheme. The secretariat argues the pre-existing beneficiaries of the scholarship have saturated the budget of the scheme and the need for a new source of funding for the scholarship secretariat. Kingsley Ajiman explains why. We, 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 how do you say somebody has come to decentralize scholarship and still think that that person is promoting chronism and skillness. I mean, especially when you are hearing it from high-ranking people, parliamentarians, even our party people, my party brought me here, and even the opposition. It kind of beats my imagination. I've set up a district scholarship review committee for local scholarship which has the district chief executive, the member of parliament or his or, his or her rep, uh, a, a member from the, the traditional authority that is dominant within the district, two people from our office here, and a rep from a tertiary institution or a GES district at a district level to, to do some form of assessment right. or validation before it comes to us. Mm-hmm. And you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are attacking me of... Uh, Nepotism. I come from the Eastern region. I come from Chebi. If, if somebody, there's a name that comes from the district assembly in uh, uh, Gonja or uh, uh, Elembele, do I have relatives in Elembele? I don't have my family people coming from Elembele. I don't have them coming from uh, uh, Ashanti region. I'm from the Eastern region. I'm from Chebi. What plans do you have for 2023? It's almost uh, ending, though, but uh, I'm sure that you have some openings for students. And feeding into that plan as well, are you mindful of the economic situation, the fact that many more parents would want their children to 
come for um, some help from the scholarship secretariat because inflation is up, the purchasing power has reduced, as you're pointing out. What plans do you have for this year, although it's almost ending? Okay, so we have started the process for the next year budget. Like I did mention to you, the budgetary process and the constraints that comes with it. Right. Uh, understanding our liabilities now, if our estimates that will be presented to the Ministry of Finance when they look at the overall picture, mm -hmm. If you don't get it, it will be very difficult to service new applications. What that will mean is that uh, we, our, our, our preoccupation next year will, will be to deal with the existing liabilities okay, or the debt continue to pay, pay, to continue to pay off. If you, don't, if you don't get up to a certain amount, there may not be new opportunities. In new. percentage terms, what are you asking? I'm on, I'm, we, it's not been finalized now. Right. It's not been finalized you now. You want an increment? They're not, they're not just, just an increment. We need to change the whole fundamental. Right. Yes, because if it's just an increment, we are talking. About, we'll be talking about maybe a thousand percent. We want to. We want to change the architecture in terms of the funding allocation. The funding allocation. Right. And again, we are asking for things like um, we having a concession with the BOG, mm -hmm. so that. Uh, when the forest goes up between a certain it should not affect us. Because we buy like any other institution buys. So these are the mitigating things, depend on the outlook that comes from the Ministry of Finance. Whatever that comes, if that is not enough to sort out the existing liability, means that new opportunities will not be opened for scholarship next year. Because we have to understand where we are now. It is not good enough to award scholarships and not be able to pay the liabilities. It, it provides us with a lot of headaches because um, the least that this government will want to see is to see a Ghanaian stranded outside there about. The never-ending gridlock on the Accra-bound stretch of the motorway has compelled two ride-hailing drivers, Kojo Asante and Emmanuel Boateng, to forfeit their daily sales by volunteering to patch the numerous potholes on the expressway near the Lapakla Bridge. Joy News' visit to the stretch this morning reveals a long, winding gridlock spanning over five kilometres from a J. Kojo underpass to the Lapakla Bridge. Here's Kojo Asante speaking to Joy News. I use this road every day, every night, but the traffic is too much, so I volunteered myself to come and do it. It's not me only. I just parked my car over here, me and my friend, we volunteer ourselves to come and do this. Instead of, instead of um, a road and highway to come and do it, they are not doing it, so we just volunteer ourselves to come and do it. That's what motivates me. It's very dangerous. Maybe if you don't know, you are a newcomer on this road and you are speeding, immediately you will just get accidents or you best your tire. Even right now, somebody best his tires here right now and just fix it. So it's very, very dangerous. If you don't know the road well, you will get accidents. Uh, I'm Uber driver and the car is not mine, it's for someone. But I decided to park and do it for the, those who are using the road to, to get access to go fast and they should go to their various places. Please. Uh, the Ghana Highway should do something about this road because it's very, very terrible. And the road, the way the road is busy 
if they, they see any fault or something, they should do it fast. And we are also using the road. We should, we should use the road fine and nice. To be honest with you, we can spend more than one hour. It depends on the times. You see, today's uh, Thursday. It's market day at Ashaman. So people are using the road. The road is busy. And you, from Ashaman overhead to this stretch here, you can spend like one hour before you pass here to Accra. So the, the, the hours is, is, is so worrying us. That's why I voluntarily myself to come and do it. I don't need anybody money. If you give me, fine. If you didn't give me, I don't care. So that's why I'm My colleague Carlos, Carlos Colone has been monitoring the events on the motorway for us. He joins us live with more. Carlos, what more can you tell us from the motorway? Right, so Carlos Colone has been on the motorway. Uh, you've had some uh, residents and road users who are complaining about the state of the motorway. Recently, we've seen accidents that has resulted in the deaths of some people using the motorway. Carlos Coloni is monitoring how the motorway is looking right now, and he joins us shortly uh, with some live updates from the motorway. Carlos, uh, what can you report from the motorway? All right, so we'll bring you Carlos Coloni, who is on the motorway. We know that there's always a never-ending gridlock on that stretch, and it has compelled two uh, right-hailing drivers who uh, say they've had to forfeit their daily sales by volunteering to patch the numerous potholes on the expressway near the La Papla Bridge. Carlos Coloni will join us with those updates. But before that, the Northeast Regional Minister, Yidana Zekaria, has condemned the murder of a 60-year-old woman over witchcraft accusations at Janga near Waliwali in the West Mampusi municipality. The woman, Musa Azaratu Pwana, was dragged out of her room and shot dead by two brothers after they accused her of being a witch and responsible for the sickness of their senior father. The minister described the killing of the woman as inhumane and charged the security service to ensure the perpetrators are apprehended and dealt with. Correspondent Elias Tanko has more. The incident occurred last week Sunday at around 4 p.m. when the two young men, Abila and Fatal, stormed the home of the 60-year-old woman and killed her. According to her children, the two brothers had earlier on Saturday stormed the house to accuse their mother of being behind the sickness of their senior father, who they had sent to a nearby village for treatment and warned to kill her if their father succumbed to the sickness. Children added that on Sunday evening, the two brothers armed with a gun returned on a motorbike to attack their mother by dragging her out of her room to the entrance of the house where they opened fire on her. They said she was later confirmed dead at the Walewale Government Hospital. On Tuesday, her remains were released to the family for barrier. At the hospital, the children earlier denied the accusations against her and demanded swift justice for her killing. The pain, I can't even explain it, or I can't even know how to express it. So I'm pleading with the security agencies to arrest her. And anybody who sees them, they should alert all the security agents so that they will come after them. 
So that is my answer because my mother, what he was to do to me, in fact, he did not do anything. She was, she was the one taking care of my fees and everything. And this is the case that killed my mother. So what am I, I'm even wondering about uh, starting semester, what am I going to pay my school fees? I want them to arrest him so that and jail him. What a, that is what I want. Because the pain, I can't even explain the pain, how it is. Musa Azara Tupuana is the second elderly woman to have been killed in the region over witchcraft accusations despite the passage of the anti-witchcraft bill two months ago. This latest incident occurred in the constituency of the Minister for Gender, Children and Social Protection, Hajia Larebazwira to Abu. But all attempts to get her reaction to these growing minutes have been unsuccessful. However, the regional minister has condemned the incident as unacceptable and inhumane. Speaking to Joy News on the sidelines of this year's Damba celebration in Nalirgu, the minister charged the police service to go after the perpetrators to bring them to justice. I condemn those inhuman acts. It doesn't lie with anybody to take the life of another person on suspicion of witchcraft. If we think that something has happened, we have chiefs in the communities. We can approach them and talk to them. But to take the law into our own hands, every time witchcraft is about accusation of women killing and maiming them, it's, it's condemned. And I don't encourage it. And I want to call on the security agencies to make sure that those involved, those behind these acts are apprehended and dealt with according to the laws of this country. Any violation of the law anywhere in the country is a violation everywhere. And that is not something that the government will allow. Meanwhile, Police in Walewale have confirmed the two suspects are still on the run. Witchcraft accusations and violence are common in the northeast region. The region currently hosting Gambaga, a camp for alleged witches, where there are currently over 70 mostly elderly and poor women who have sought refuge from murder and torture of accusations of being witches. Yasutanko reporting for Joy News. Let's come back to a crime head to the motorway where my colleague uh, Carlos Coloni is standing by uh, for some updates. Carlos, what can you report from the motorway? All right, Aisha, uh, I can say for a fact that the, the two volunteers who actually go to this particular uh, road since 5 a.m. are still here. Uh, they've really uh, patched a number of the potholes, and I can say that uh, now traffic flow has improved, uh, but there is a new development, uh, which has really made these two volunteers uh, very disappointed. Uh, according to them, the Tama uh, police patrol uh, came here earlier and asked them to leave the site, and they are not really happy with that particular development. And so I'm going to be speaking to them so they can give us the details of uh, why the police is asking them to stop the work they actually uh, started this morning. Your life on join you. So tell us, you, you, you were telling me a while ago that uh, you were working and what happened? Our police, uh, we are working over here. We want to work from today up to next week. So um, we want to help the nation. And we are, we are here, we see a patrol team over here. Uh, they are from Tema. We don't know them. They just came here that we should move our things to leave the site. So we are very, very disappointed. 
we don't understand how they came here to, I mean, sack us from the site. So we are very, very disappointed. We are disappointed. They are the police people. We don't know. Earlier you were telling me your plan was to do this for a number of days. Now that they're asking you to go, are you going to come back again? Um, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. The way we, are, we, we, we just volunteer ourselves to come and do this work. And, I mean, you have to appreciate what we are doing. And, I mean, you just came here to sack us. So, like, the way I have the Vim and other things, uh, you let my Vim go down maybe tomorrow or the next day. If I came here, the same people came here to come and sack me. I don't know what's going to happen the next day or something. All right, that's Kojo. So let's speak to uh, Yima. Yima, have the police actually given you yeah. any reason why they are asking you to leave the site? Yeah, I'm disappointed because, look, it's, it's something bad we are helping the nation. I just want to ask if something is going bad in the country and we civilians or we individuals, we also we need to help. Why police should come and stop us to stop the work we are doing? I think it's very bad. So all of the Ghanaians should see that what we have been doing is it bad. We are not a stealers. We are not stealing anything. We, are, we use our energy to help our president in Ghana. We need to help him. Because if you didn't help me, he alone cannot do it. But we, 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 we wake up this morning to, do, to help people on the road. And the police people came, the police patrol. We don't know where they are coming from. Other Tema or Accra, we don't know. They came to stop us. We should stop doing the work. We should take our things from the site and live here. We don't know. And we, too, we can't fight with them. So we just stop. We are going home. We are going home because if something is going bad, it's all of us. If it is good, it's good for all of us. If it is bad, it's bad for all of us. All right. We thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much. And so that was Ima, one of the volunteers, as well as Kojo, uh, who spoke to us a while ago. And they are clearly disappointed uh, that uh, the police are asking them. But let me, let me, before you go, uh, did the police uh, cite any reason, maybe for your own safety? No, there's no reason. They are just saying, mm. just take your team, move your team from here and go. We, we are telling you, go, go home, go home. Stop doing that. So we, we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know who sent them. All right. All right. Thank you. So uh, as you can see behind me, uh, the police vehicle is in the shot there. Those are the police officers, according to them, who actually asked them to leave the site. Aisha, so that is the update here. The two volunteers who came here as early as 5 a.m. Uh, are now leaving the site. Uh, uh, but we have to commend them because they've done a, a yeoman's job. And now, as you can see, the traffic appears to be moving uh, than before. Uh, from the motorway, my name is Carlos Caloni for Joy News. Scaloni from the motorway back in the studio. My name is Aisha Ibrahim. We'll be getting on to other stories. Leading member of the NPP in the Obwaso West constituency, Akwesi Abwaji says Alan Sherman's exit from the party will help and function and functionalism uh, will help in functionalism that has long afflicted the ruling party. According to him, the former trades minister failed in his bid to lead the party because of his inability to sponsor people to occupy party positions. He says many exited the Allen camp after failing to secure such support. Nanayo Jima has more. of Alan Chamantin and his bid to lead the NPP as flag bearer. He noted when former president John Ajikum Kufour exited office, most of his admirers threw their support behind Alan Chamantin. But Mr. Abwaje observed the popularity of other 
participants in the NPP presidential race soared due to their investments in others. Alan took over the former president's supporters, but he was too complacent. He thought he was in line for the presidency, so he didn't sponsor people for the polling station election. But the vice president did sponsor some people. For instance, all polling station executives in Ogwasi won because of his support. Meanwhile, Mr. Abwaji has cautioned the National Democratic Congress against the thought that Alan's breakaway from the party will be to their benefits. He says factionalism in the NPP has ended. After his exit, we no longer have Alan and Akufuado factions. The two leaders of the factions are moving out. Alan is out and Akufuado is on the verge of exit. So the MPP is united now. For Joy News, Nanaya Ojima reporting. Nanaya Ojima ending that report, taking us to a break. When we return, we'll bring you business. Once every year, the finest marketing minds from across Ghana gather to recognize, reward brilliance in the field of marketing, celebrate their works, and connect. This year, the prestigious Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana present the 34th edition of the annual National Marketing Performance Awards under the theme, Marketing, a tool for economic recovery. Guest of Honor, Professor Abednego Fehi Okoyamati, Vice-Chancellor, University of Professional Studies Accra. The date, 30th September. The venue. Labadi Beach Hotel. The time is 7 p.m. For corporate table reservations, call Nana on 055-274-6592 or 0242-307-801. Come join us, wine, dine, award, and celebrate all night long. CIMG, marketing means business. CIMG, working for Ghana. Football season is here and it's best seen on HD Plus in five times crystal clear images. See the new signings, jerseys, silky skills, and great goals. Touch the DFB Copa, J1 League, and the Argentina Copa de la Liga Profesional on Sport HD Channel 151. The best of African football on JTV Sports Plus Channel 150. World football is best seen Philly Billy on HD Plus. Grab a coder and subscribe for three months at 85 Ghana CDC at HD Plus. See it, feel it. 
12 whole weeks of sweating. The shower. Wipe your face. I'm not going to eat sweat. The anxiety. I missed tears and joy. Finally, three institutions have sailed through. It's the final showdown. Which school will emerge the overall winner of the maiden edition of Big Chef Tertiary? Who takes home the cash prize of 20,000 Ghana CDs, a 10,000 liter Syntex tag, and other amazing products from our sponsors? The Big Chef Tertiary Grand Finale is coming to the Volta region, specifically Whole Technical University Campus, on Sunday, October 1, 2023, at 4 p.m. sharp. Audience must be seated by 3 p.m. Come, let's celebrate the artistry of cooking. Audience have a 40% say in the grand finale by voting for your favorite institution via the short code star 713 star 208 hash and follow the prompts. Is it Takrada Technical University, Kumasa Technical University, or Whole Technical University? The battle line has been drawn. Big Chef Tertiary is sponsored by Frytor Oil, Fortune Rise, Indomie, Access Bank, and Syntex Tag, Big Chef Tertiary, the kitchen has no boundaries. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. Owning a home is an accomplishment. When it comes to choosing our preference of living, we are faced with a dilemma. Will you go for affordability, comfort, or luxury? Well, we will help you choose your preferred home at a very affordable and convenient way at the 2023 edition of the Republic Bank Love Affirm Habitat Fair. Slated for Friday, 6 October to Sunday, 8 October, 2023 at the Kumasi City Mall, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. each day. This event is brought to you by your superstation, Love 99.5 FM, in partnership with Republic Bank. Powered by Airport City HDG Homes. And sponsored by DBS Industries Limited, Syntex Tank, the ultimate protection plus insurance product from Star Life Assurance, supported by... Hello, good morning. Warm welcome to Business here on Joy News Desk with me, Payos Kojobaka. One of the leading real estate developers, Lakeside Estate, has launched its new lifestyle community, Lakeside Hills, aimed at providing comfortable living experiences for families and individuals. According to the managing director of the estate, Dr. Prince Joseph Aiku, the new project will provide more employment opportunities for the youth and also lead to the improvement of the roads in the area. He was speaking at the launch of Lakeside Hills Housing Project. Estate under its Lakeside Hills project has built over 200 homes 
under the first phase of the project. Expected to house over 5,000 homes when completed, the Lakeside Hills project will also include a sports complex and commercial shopping areas. In an interview, Managing Director of the Estate, Dr. Prince Joseph Ayuku, said the new project will provide the youth with more employable opportunities. We are building all kinds of houses, ranging from two-bedroom to four-bedroom. For those who are looking for houses ranging from two-bedroom, the place to be is Lakeside Estate. The environment is secure, is safe, with a lot of green technologies. We have parks that absorb heat in the environment. Most of the houses in this community are powered with solar. When it comes to, um, let's say, employment, we have employed several people in this um, area, for instance. We have uh, employed a lot of skilled laborers, a lot of artisans who are working for us. In, in, in terms of infrastructure, we have built good roads. You can see when they are coming, driving to community, the, the hills. The roads are first-class roads. The drains are good. Executive Secretary of the Ghana Real Estate Developers Association, Greta Sami Amegaibo, urged government to create an enabling environment for private housing entities to thrive and provide affordable housing for Ghanaians. See this beautiful estate done by a local entity, Lakeside. It goes to tell you that we have the capacity. It is only some minimal support. Then you look at their price points, compare it to so-called government affordable housing prices, and you are amazed the difference between what government-assisted projects are delivering and individual companies without any support at all from government are delivering. And yet we, we, we say we can't deliver houses. The only thing that is missing is commitment. Commitment is completely missing. There's too many lip service from our state, uh, uh, our government in succession. I will not blame this current government alone. I'll blame the previous one. I'll blame the fourth Republic government arrangement has been very terrible when it comes to affordable housing delivery. And it is time they sit up. Guest speaker and chief executive of the Chartered Institute of Marketing Ghana, Kwabena Ajikum, also commended Lakeside Estate on its efforts in helping to reduce reliance on the national grid through the use of solar panels. The evident infrastructural development surrounding us showcases the integration of solar systems in every house as an, an alternative energy source, as an alternative energy source, the utilization of energy efficient LED lighting to reduce reliance on national grid and the planting of trees to offer more shade, oxygenate the environment and decrease the need for air conditionings in our home. The incorporation of rain catchment, a significant greenhousing technology, underscores Lakeside Estates' commitment to sustainable practices, echoing a global shift towards eco-conscious real estate development. The Hills Project will harness social and community experience through the provision of recreational centers. As part of its corporate social responsibility, the National Insurance Commission, in association with insurance groups in Ghana, has launched a blood donation campaign. Speaking to Joy Business, Acting Commissioner of the Commission, Michael Kofi Ando, explained that players in the industry are committed to deepening the sector by reaching out to Ghanaians through such impactful exercises. 
Insurance Commission, in collaboration with various insurance associations, have launched a blood donation campaign. The move, which is to ensure its corporate social responsibility, will be held nationwide across designated offices of the Commission and some insurance firms. Last year, the campaign mobilized over 2,000 pints of blood. Speaking to Joy Business, Acting Commissioner of Insurance Michael Kofi Andor, who led the blood donation exercise, explained the reason behind the initiative. We can get blood to stock our blood bank. It's for us to donate. It's something we need. It becomes a critical issue for some people, for pregnant women, for cancer patients, for accident victims. And at that point, the only thing that can save their lives is blood. And since we cannot manufacture it, the only way out is to donate it. And so this is a social responsibility to be sure that when we need it to save lives, we are here. We are, we are aiming at a minimum of 4,000. On her part, the CEO of the National Blood Service, Dr. Shelley Owusu, called for corporate organizations to emulate the NIC's efforts. The Blood Service constantly engages, engages to educate the populace and our stakeholders, disseminate appropriate donor information whilst we advocate for voluntary blood units. I trust that with the commitment and contributory efforts of our insurance fraternity gathered here, we are on our way to making some great strides. We've all heard that in 2021, we collected 801 units across the country. We trusted that time that this was the beginning of great things to come. And with a lot of sensitization and awareness to break the myths and misconceptions and to encourage more within the fraternity and outside to, to donate. The initiative is powered by the National Insurance Commission in collaboration with Insurance Brokers Association, Ghana Insurance Association, Chartered Insurance Institute of Ghana, among others. The theme for the campaign is Donate Blood, Save a Life. As you do it for someone, you do it for yourself. And that's it for business. Back to you, Aisha. And before we go, Think Positive Travel Consult, a study and travel organization, has donated 1,000 notebooks to Persec Legon. This initiative by the organization is aimed at enhancing the overall learning experience of the students in the school.